broadcast at River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. What a blessing that you tuned in, and we're grateful for it. We want to minister to everyone this morning on a message that the Lord gave me that has been really powerful in my life. It has changed my life. I started it with just a verse in my own life, and, and it intrigued me. It sparked in me. It, uh, it, uh, and I thought I knew some things about generosity, the, the law of generosity. But come to find out, I didn't know much, and I've just been thrilled to study it, and now I'm thrilled to bring it to you. So if you would, turn in your Bible with me to the book of Philemon. Uh, it's actually on page 1039. Like Joe Morris says, if you have a Bible like mine, hallelujah. But it's, uh, it's 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon. And then it goes to Hebrews. So if you find any of those, you can go left or right, and it'll help you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I have a question for you this morning. We always start generally with a question, and that would be, my question to you personally would be, what would you like for people to say about you? If they, someone got into a group of people and they said, do you know Michael, for instance, me? Do you, like, uh, do you know him? And someone would say, well, yes, I know him, and then they begin to describe you. And what would you like for them to say in that group of people about you? What is your reputation? What is the thing that stands out to people? What do they notice about you and that it lingers with you about your life? They might say several things. They might say, well, yeah, uh, he's a straight shooter. And that would be an attribute to say, God, you th they say I'm a straight shooter. I don't deceive. I don't double talk. I'm not for forky tongue, as we say. I'm a straight shooter. Or they might say about you, you know, that's the most loyal guy. He just, once he sticks, gets with you, he sticks with you. And if he, they said that about you, would you like that? Would you be pleased that you were known as a loyal person? Or if you were known as a very lighthearted and fun person, not silly, but someone that, that just doesn't get down with life, someone that just walks through life and says, no matter how tough it gets, hey, I, I got this in the word of God. Would you like that? Or would you like someone to say about you, you know, there's a lot of things going on in his life, but in all that, he was a provider. He always somehow made a way to get his family through and to fund the things that were important. That would be something really important and very generous for people to say. Or you, they might say about you and me that we were kind. I've heard people say they are the kindest person. I've never heard them say a bad word about anybody. And you just all of a sudden feelings come up like that is an attribute I'd like to be if someone said that about someone else. But I want to talk about the attribute that I think is actually spiritually speaking above all. Those things are all pretty much uh, based in personality and they are they are good. Uh, a lot of things are inherent in our uh, nature. We got from our parents or our environment. But generosity is something that can be cultivated. Now, I understand kindness and being a straight shooter of integrity is also those things. But generous, nothing pays off for your life, I believe, from the word, like being generous. And it's not just a feeling, and it's certainly uh, not something that you could say, I used to not be, but then in my later life I am. So here's my question. Everyone wants to be generous if they can afford it. And that's the general consensus is that we used to buy the cheap stuff 
And now we buy the good stuff. We used to buy, I remember when I was first married, we, we'd, we'd go to Skaggs Albertsons, and we wouldn't buy the Del Monte green beans. We would buy the store brand because they were 29 cents cheaper. And we bought those because we only had $150 a week or a month or something. It was just like, and so we couldn't afford the Del Monte's. So I'd ask us this morning, can you afford to be generous? And that's a question that would really make people think about it. But that'd be the wrong question because the question is not if you can afford it, but can you pursue it and put it in your life? Everyone can be generous. Everyone can afford to be generous. You can be generous today. You can be open and full with your life today. And we know that uh, from the scripture where the Lord Jesus talks about the widow uh, that put in two mites into the treasury and he noted her versus the rich men that had been before her that put in much, much, much more. But he, he uh, denigrated them and said they just put out of their overflow. They just afforded it. She put in all she had. So she was generous and they were not, even though the amounts were greatly different. So um, I, I told you all Wednesday, the word generous is an old French word that means three things. It means noble. So if, if you were generous, you would be noble. Well, that's pretty cool. That means that you're set apart. Not everyone is generous, but everyone that is generous is noble, and they are an elite or a different cut or a higher grade or a, a higher quality, whatever it is that you would say about uh, people that give, they're noble. If you're generous, you're noble. It's an attribute. It's a virtue. It's also a word that means magnanimous. So you know that's a noble word. That's an a, a good thing, that you are over the top, that you are beyond the limits, that you exceed the limits. And then the last word, uh, the definition was not mean. If you're generous, you're not mean. So mean people can't be generous. So, so it could be that we all have to take a little uh, a trim job to our, our meanness in order to be generous. It's like, I, I, I'm too mean to be generous. I need to get rid of that. Hallelujah. But the definition is willing to give more of, of something such as time, such as money, such as uh, your energy, willing to give more of something than is necessary or expected. Willing, willing, willing to give more of something than is necessary or expected. That makes you noble. That makes you magnanimous. That makes you not mean. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's hard to be mean when you're going over the top, when you're doing more than you can. And we established in the beginning of this teaching that, that uh, the Father, our Father, whoo-hoo, thank you, Lord, is way, way generous, that he doesn't just meet the need. He exceeds the need. He says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. He says, I'll give you exceeding abundantly above what you could even ask or think or imagine or dream. All those words are in there. He said, I'll give you more. Whatever you can think of, whatever you can say, that's what I want. Father is way, way generous and... and uh, the key to that end, then, is the transition is not that just Father is 
way generous, but that we are born of him. We are refathered from above and that his nature, his DNA is in us. And if he's generous by nature, then we are in the new birth generous by nature. So why aren't we all generous? Well, there's culture, there's there's experience, there's uh, teaching that teach us to be uh, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, don't let go until you have to let go, that sort of thing. So uh, just like at the new birth, the God kind of faith came in. We know that. He's dealt to each man the measure of faith. So the God kind of faith came in, and if we'll let the word water it, we'll grow in our faith. But we have the God kind of faith. The word says in 1 Corinthians that we have, that Jesus has been made unto us wisdom. So we have the God kind of wisdom in us, but we have to activate it. We have to pursue it. We have to call upon it. Uh, we know the grace of God is in us. Great grace. And that we, we, our faith works according to grace. We know the God kind of love is in us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which has been given unto us, the word says. So we also need to acknowledge that generosity, the attribute, the virtue of generous is already down inside of me by the new birth. If you're born again, he's in there. So let's look in Philemon, the little book of Philemon. And in, uh, there's a discourse there. Uh, we'll start in verse five. It says, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. It, wouldn't that be something if they got in a group and said, do you know, Michael? And they said, oh, yeah, we, we, we hear of his faith towards the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. I mean, that, you'd, be, you'd be up there, wouldn't you? And, the, and then it explains that in verse six, that the communication of thy faithful, Eman, that the communication, the, the fellowship, the application of your faith may become effectual, or the word is powerful, the word is energis in the Greek, that the communication of thy faith, your faith becomes powerful. How does it become powerful, Paul? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So how do we get our faith to work? We call it the testimony. We say, gosh, God did this through me. He, 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 he helped me. He came through. It was powerful. And so we acknowledge the testimony. God did it. And greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. And he always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. And he always gives us the victory. So we, we acknowledge every good thing that's in us. I'm the head and not the tail. We, well, I have the mind of Christ. I acknowledge it's not just old dumb Michael. It's, hey, I got the mind of Christ. Don't mess with me because I'll outfigure it. I'll outfigure you or, or whatever. So based on these things, you could say that your faith uh, only works, only works when you know who you are in Christ Jesus. That people can spout off, I, I believe in God or I have faith for this. But if you question them, and pretty soon if you just watch them, you'll find out that they can't go past who they know they are because they become disqualified. The devil will disqualify them. He'll condemn them for something they've done or they're doing, and, uh, he'll just, and their faith will go by the wayside. It never was faith. It was optimism, and optimism is not a spiritual attribute. It's a personality attribute. 
So if you don't know, for instance, if you don't know you're born again, what's going to happen to you? Well, you're going to be condemned. You're going to be guilty because you're going to mess up. And, and if you don't know if you're born again, you're going to be disqualified and saying, well, God doesn't, might not like me this week because I did this and such. I thought this and such. And so, but if you know I'm born again, no matter what I did, no matter what I thought, no matter how I fell off the track, I'm born again. Well, then if you know who you are, I was refathered from above, well, then you're born again and he can't take it away. If you, uh, if you, don't, if you don't know if you're healed, if you don't know that it's God's will and design for all of us to be healed, we acknowledge who we are in Christ Jesus, then you're going to be sick. You're going to be in pain. The devil's going to take you out. He's going to attack you until he gets you to submit and say, you don't know who you are. You, you better work on this or you're not going to get healed. Uh, if you don't know if you have authority over the devil, what's going to happen to you if you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus? Well, you're going to be whipped. You're going to be conquered. You're going to be defeated. Uh, you're, you're going to be put in your so-called natural place. If you don't know and be able to, having done all to stand, just stand there for Because I know who I am, and I'm already greater is he that's in me. And so you've got to know who you are if you want your faith to work. So that comes back to generosity. You've got to know it's in there in order to come out. You've got to know it's not around and God's dispensing it from heaven. Well, you've been a good boy today. I'm going to give you a little dab of reward and I'm going to give you some of this and I'm going to heal you of that and I'm going to fix this over here. Up, oh, up, oh, you, you messed up and I can't abide that. And so we're going to, we're going to take your child away. We're going to make you lose your job and all that junk. See, we got to know who we are. And uh, the people that do all that and say all that, they just don't know who they are at all. So the God kind of generous is inside of me, inside of you. And so we're called to be stewards over it. Say stewards. 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 It's quite a word, but uh, your faith, you're a steward over your faith. You can't just say, well, it's mine to do with what I want, and I'm not going to use my faith for the kingdom. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to uh, speak right. Um, well, we're stewards, and we'll be judged in a sense of not having done what we should by not being stewards. So we have to put a demand. I said we have to put a demand on the grace of God in us, a demand, not by feelings, not by just saying, you know, I'm feeling generous today. I believe I'll do that. But or another day saying, you know, I don't feel so generous. I believe I'll hold on to this. If you're a steward over a grace, a grace, a grace, then you have to yield to the grace. Now, this is the most powerful thing I've done in a long time is talk about generosity. It has changed my life. I am transformed in just these three services and the study I've put into it. It has changed me because I did not understand generosity. I knew it was an attribute, but I thought it was an option. I thought it was something that you uh, exercised when you could afford it. That when you got something that you didn't need necessarily, that then you could afford to be generous to your children or for the kingdom or whatever. And so I've decided that generosity is not mechanical. And that's what I used to think it was, in a sense. Uh, but generosity is a decision. It's a decision. You don't, just like love is a decision. People say, well, I don't think I love you anymore. Well, love is not a feeling. It's a, it's a decision. You just decide, I love you and I'm going with you and it's not going to ever be different than that. 
And uh, it's a decision. Uh, it's, it's not mechanical, but it's an approach. You walk into a room or a situation or something, and you immediately are not negative, but your approach is, where can I be generous here? It's not like, well, here's some people here, wonder what their needs are. Instead, before you ever hit the room or hit the, uh, the, the, the uh, coming together, you just decide, Mr. Generous is here, wonder where God needs me. That's, a, that's an attitude. That's an approach. That's a perspective. That's a desire that says, God, give me some, something to be generous with. Put me, in, put me in the path. You need someone to be over the top, someone to demonstrate God, not just like, okay, you need, you need 50 cents. Okay, I, I got 50 cents maybe. Will 45 do? You know, it says, ah, here's $10. Go and be blessed. Now, see, God, God, he likes that because he put that in us. Are y'all hot this morning? Is it hotter than a... Okay. Turn with me to Acts chapter... Four. I want to sh demonstrate Bible generosity this morning. And that's my job today is to, sh to demonstrate what the Bible says about generosity. Because I was raised a certain way. You were raised a certain way. And uh, we were all affected by that raising about the values in our family as we were growing up. The values of people when we first started our family. Uh, the needs on our life, we were affected by people that were generous to us or not. The people that, here's a common thing that young people think, and maybe older, is like, here I am, and $100 would change my life. And I got kin folks over here that got $100,000, and they're just sitting on it, just blowing it off, just, just woofing through it, and $100 would change my life. And they won't, they don't even notice me. Now, am I the only one that's ever had that thought? <laughs> I, you know, Uncle Jack is in everybody's family, the one that's got everything. Well, that affects us. That, that uh, sometimes you get a thing that says, uh, I'm going to be tight-fisted. Or you get a thing that says, I don't like that. And when I can, I'm going to fund the very people that Uncle Jack wouldn't fund in me. You get some resolves. You get, you get a little attitude that says, I'm going to fix this wrong. So uh, we all have uh, different perspectives about generosity. So what we got to do is find out what the Bible says. Because I don't want to go by feelings or by, uh, by a cultural basis. I want to go by it. What does the Word say? I want to do it the Word's way. And if it says do it this way, that's good enough for me. In chapter 4, look at this amazing discourse in verse 29. This is amazing. Have y'all read this lately? And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they might speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Y'all believe that's a good church prayer? Oh, that's, that's, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. We're not here to bring in the sheaves and, and, to, uh, and, and use the air conditioner. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, what kind of prayer did they pray? The place was shaken where they were assembled together. Why is that? And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Wow. 
That's a, that's a revival. And the multitude of them, so there were several, that believed were of one heart and one soul. Now, here's, here's the root or the foundation of that. Neither said any of them that ought, or any, of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. Now, you know that's a work of God. That's uh, when you lay down for each other. Wouldn't you say that was generous? That was like, I care more about you than I do about me. And we're going to look at a scripture that says that very thing. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So after they came together and said, my stuff's your stuff. Mikasa is sukasa, that sort of thing. It's all together. Then great witness, great power, and great witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus was demonstrated. And, the, and great grace, great grace was upon them all. See what generosity did right here? It laid a platform for everything. When nobody was protecting, no competition, no comparison. Well, I got a little, I got a lot. No competition. We just like, I love Jesus, therefore, whatever you need, it's, it's his stuff in me. Here, have some. And it says, uh, uh, verse 34, neither was there any of them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them. Do y'all realize how big this is? Lands and houses sold them. And brought the prices of the things that were sold. And, and look at this. And laid them down at the apostles' feet. Wow. Didn't just say, I want credit for this. I, tell me who needs a house or who needs the money for land, uh, for uh, groceries. And I'll go and tell them it was me that brought this. I sold land. I sold a house. And I'm bringing this to you. And my name is Johnny Jones, and uh, you want to remember that name because I was real generous. The word says they just sit and brought it to the apostles and said, y'all just take care of it. We don't want the credit. Amazing. That's generous. And laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Well, so we have a great demonstration of generosity here that... Uh, is more than just an attitude or a feeling. It's going to have to be a decision. And I have made that decision in my life. Uh, I, I have made that. I am, I, my stuff is the Lord's. And I'm really glad I've got some stuff. There's been so many years of my life that I didn't have any stuff. He's <laughs> like, there's no stuff here, Lord. <laughs> I'd give it, but it's just me. But and I don't have any stuff stuff, but I'm just saying what I do have, uh, you know, years ago, the Lord had, uh, you know, we gave away an automobile. Well, that was just a, you know, that's the thing where you jump into that time and you do something and you can't take it back and you jump back. And the next day you go, oh, my word, what have I done? <laughs> we got to go buy a car. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it's something in my life that I'll never forget that, that it hallmarks me to say at least once in my life I was bold and I obeyed God and I jumped out there and it changed somebody else's life. You know, that was, a, that was in 06. 
those people still have that car. They're still driving that car. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So uh, verse 36, and Joseph, who by the apostles was named Barnabas, we'll find out later he was the encourager, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus. Look, verse 37, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, why did they bring this up when they'd already, Luke had already talked about people that were uh, selling their houses and land, uh, how this man did it? Well, if you go to chapter 5, we're talking about generosity here. It says, but a certain man, a particular man, a specific man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Now, this is in the verse that follows Barnabas selling his and bringing his land. So obviously there was some inspiration to Ananias to go and do like Barnabas did. And maybe Barnabas got lauded. Maybe they patted Barnabas on the back and they, maybe they put a plaque on the wall with a little brass plate saying Barnabas gave to the saints, whatever. But it inspired or moved Ananias. And it says he sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, look how quick this is. This seems so unfair because it's the man sold his stuff and brought part of his stuff. But then it explains. But Peter said to Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? How many of y'all know that's serious? That's serious. That's like when uh, the Lord Jesus told uh, Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan. He, he called Peter Satan. He wasn't talking to Peter, but the devil that was working in him. But Peter said, Dan, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep, to keep back part of the price of the land? Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived, conceived? It wasn't spontaneous. He conceived it. It's called premeditated in the, in the world today. This thing in thine heart, thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Now, let me just bring this up, that uh, when we bring our tithes and our offerings to the Lord and we dedicate to them, it's not between us and River Church. It's not between us and the refrigerator fund or us between us and the rent, whatever. It's between us and God. And so we just, we don't care what they do with it. I mean, we're going to go to a church or give to people that are stewards over it and do care what they do with it. But I, if they mess it up, it didn't mess me up because it's between me and God. And this thing, this thing with Ananias, he, he did it unto God. But then he had a jerky back. He said, uh, but I, I, I got some strings attached here. I want the glory for all of it, but I don't want to give all of it. We, me and Mama, we, we got our eye on a little convertible mule around the corner, and we, we, <laughs> we, we'd like to make a down payment on that. And we, if we give all of this, well, we, you know, we, we can't do that. So Ananias, hearing these words, fell down. And gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon all them that heard these things. So here we have two aspects, two right back-to-back -back aspects of generosity and how serious it is with God. 
So anything that's, that's uh, serious with God, if you mess it up, is very important or has a great impact when you do it right. In Malachi, is talking to the Jews, the old covenant men there, it says, will a man rob God? So it's taking something that uh, is very optional to us. And back in that day, God said, you've robbed me if you didn't bring in the tithe. Now, we've been redeemed from that. That's not in us or on us. But you can see that the tithe was of great importance to God back then because you were doing it unto him. It was a personal thing to him. And his outpouring, his windows were personal back to you. He wasn't like, well, since you did it, I'll just throw it on the whole nation. And so that's really important to know that generosity is a grace that we have that God's given us that he expects us to steward. Just like mercy, he expects us to steward mercy. I am not naturally in my personality a merciful or a, you know, I'm compassionate, but merciful, it doesn't just flow out of me. I'm kind of a straight shooter. And that's just me. It's just the way I am. And it's, but, but I am called for the grace of mercy to impact me in such a way that uh, it doesn't matter if it's in my personality. We better have, you better have some mercy, Michael. You better be compassionate. You better have a touch of, uh, of life in God for people. But it's just not my natural inclination. And we need all the different personalities. We need mercy, but we need straight shooters. Yes. Amen. We need, we need those on, on every side. Uh, in Luke chapter 6, we looked at this. Let me just roll over it just real quickly. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Because this is so powerful. It says in verse 38... Give and it shall be given to you. Act, you'll get a reaction. How often? Every time. How much? He's going to tell you. Depends on what you put in. Not so much, not so much the amount. It's the heart behind it. We saw that with the uh, woman with the two pennies. It's not the amount because the, the big boys put in plenty. But their heart wasn't in it. They were not sacrificing. They were not putting their heart into it. They tipped God. So when he says, give here and it shall be given unto you. Well, the measure is good measure. That would be the heart of your giving. Whatever you gave out of the heart is what he's going to give back to you from his heart. Good measure. Pressed down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom or your lap. Uh, it, it, was the, it was between the hips and the knees of the skirt. When, when a man or woman would sit down, that was the bosom. So he says here, would men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. I, li I got it in the passion, and you, you just kind of have to buckle up for this. Give generously. That's my word. And generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measure of your return. Wow. Wow, that's just kind of like if you call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. It's action and reaction. It's, uh, it's in there. 
So the generous are funded to be generous. I am funded to be generous if I first am generous. He gives seed to the sower, it says in Corinthians. Seed to the who? The sower. He doesn't just give seed to anybody. You have to be a sower. You got to sow your, your pencil or your kindness or your, your compassion, and then he'll give you some money. He'll give you some, uh, some uh, influence, some power to also sow. And so we have to ask ourselves, am I generous by the Bible standard? And we looked at that the other day and said, based on Luke 6.38, people would say, I'm very generous, but if it's not being returned back to you, then maybe we aren't as generous as we think. We said, uh, when's the last time somebody uh, made you car payment? Well, it might be maybe when's the last time you made a car payment or made a rent payment or took groceries over. Well, how come nobody ever brings groceries to me when we don't have any food? It could be that we've never taken a cupcake next door or something. It's, you have to measure by what's coming in, what's in spiritual terms, what's going out. You can't just say I am and that's the end of it. I'm, I'm better than Jack, I'm better than anybody in my family, I do more than most people at the church. All of us could be way below Bible standards and, and, and none of us would be generous. So let's look at that in Philippians chapter 4. I promise you this is going to help. This is going to help us think right. This is going to help us uh, uh, access the grace of God in us to be generous because it's in there. And if we're not acting on it, it's just laying around. Let's see, Philippians chapter 4. Now here's our favorite verse. Don't tell me it's not your favorite verse, because <laughs> it is. And we like this one. It gives a lot of solace, a lot of comfort to us. But he said, but my God. Now, that word but is a little bit uh, 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 hard on us, because it means there's something in front of that word. We'll look at that. But he said, but my God. So there's a kind of in spite of what's going on, my God shall supply all your need. If you look over in verse 16, You'll find that word necessity. So that's the same word, necessity. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Or the word according there means on the same scale of God's wealth. God said, I'll supply you according to my wealth. Amen. It's awesome. But let's look in... Uh, let me, let me read something out of the uh, New Living. That's what it is, New Living. Is that up? Well, ah, uh, there it is. Well, I'll read it and, and y'all can read along. This is in the New Living starting in verse 10. So this is what came before the but my God. And that's important. Context is essential for the promises. You can't just suck out one verse and say, I'm going to make, make it fit me. There's conditions, there's terms, there's parameters to every promise. He said, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. This is Paul speaking to the church at Philippi. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for why? For why, Paul, have you never been in need? For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or on everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. That doesn't mean breathe. 
That doesn't mean just made it through. Living to, to excel, to flourish, to prosper. I've learned to live in, on, uh, in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Well, there's a little context to that verse that we like. We've got to have an attitude, says. It's him that makes me get through. For even so, as you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So even though he's fine, there is a difficulty he's overcoming. Y'all ever had a difficulty? You were fine, but you were in a difficulty. And it would be wrong for someone to come by and see that you had a nice car and that you went home to a nice house to assume that you have no difficulty. Because I've been in a nice house with a nice car and had much difficulty. When I bought the house and bought the car, I was having no difficulty, but the times changed. And so it'd be wrong to assume that it was that way. Even so, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones. Praise God for the Philippians who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. I want to be that church. I want to be that church that they say, River Church was the only one. Not, not that I want to be the only one, but that when nobody else would, we said yes. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Now, look at what God thinks. He said, Paul, I'm going to reward them for their kindness. Generosity has a reward. It comes out of the heart. It's a decision. It's an attitude. It's a perspective. But it has a reward. It's not just something you say, well, whatever, whatever. I can probably spare this. At the moment, I have all I need. And more, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice. He didn't say we went to Walmart and had us a big time on aisle seven. He said they are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Oh, my. And the same God who takes care of me, here's, here's verse 19, the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So there was a generous uh, uh, term in the my God shall supply. Not, not just the Christian, not just being born again, because there can be graces in us that are latent, that are dormant, that are untapped, that are, that are, are, are uh, uh, barren or fruitless. And we have to look at those grace and say, I'm, I'm speaking to you, Grace. We're going to be kind and we're going to be compassionate and we're going to be loyal and uh, we're going to be a straight shooter, but we're going to be generous. Because it's in me and it's a steward and it's a grace that God says it won't cost you anything to access. A grace inside of us is something that doesn't cost us, but to access it, to use it, to, to loose it. He gives seed to the sower. So it's like, I'm going to be a sower. This is going to cost me. No, he'll give seed. He'll give all the seed you need. And the more generous you get with your seed, the more generous he gets with the seed. 
It's just, you know, I told you all about the three men, J.C. Penney and, and uh, 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 Buddy Harrison and um, Letourneau, R.G. Letourneau. He's got a college in Tyler, Texas, I think. But all of them proclaimed or purport that they lived on 10% and lived well on 10% and gave the 90. So, yay. So, yay. That's, that's, uh, that's the generous man getting supplied. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're talking about generosity. This church at Philippi was generous. They looked behind the nice house and the new car and said, Paul needs help. He's not acting like it. He's not sending us appeal letters. He's not saying, I'm about to go under. This ministry can't pay its television bills. But we sense, we discern that he's both good ground and that God is leading us to be a supply for them. Let's be generous. Let's not just give the one time. Let's give multiple times. Now, that's who I want to be. That's, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to be generous. I want to be a straight shooter. I want to be kind. I, I, I want to be those other attributes, but I want to be generous. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, th this will change your life right here. I know y'all have read it, but let's read it in this context. Moreover, brethren, verse 1, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction. Why did they put that in there? Why is great trial of affliction in the word about people? Could it be that it's true that they were really, really, really going through it? How that, the, the, it says in verse 1, how, take notice of the grace of God. How, what did the grace of God do, Paul? That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded. How did it abound, Paul? Unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, and I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Now, that's the grace of God. That's when you go and you say, God, I, we don't have anything, but the grace is in us to be a conduit, a flow through, a vessel for someone else. And if you will supply all my need, my need is to sow, my need is to be generous. If that's my need, then if I give even in my great poverty, not just when I'm rich, not just when I got it. I got, I got two can openers and two refrigerators. I can give one away. No, no, before that. And it says, uh, verse 4, praying with us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Let me read it to you in the uh, Passion Translation. This is just this amazing. Beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace of God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. For even during a season of severe difficulty and tremendous suffering, they became even more filled with joy. 
Doesn't James tell us that, it, that uh, uh, leap for joy in divers' trials and temptations? They were doing the word. From the depths of their extreme poverty. Why didn't he just say poverty? Super abundant joy. Why didn't he just say joy? Wow, there's a contrast here. Overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. For I can verify that they spontaneously gave not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. They actually begged us for the privilege of sharing in this ministry of giving to God's holy people who are living in poverty. They exceeded our expectations by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's good pleasure. I like that. I like when the Lord's smiling. I like it when he says, that's that Michael, he's, he's my boy. I, I like how he thinks and what he does. I, that's an attaboy from heaven, and I, I want him. That's really all I want, but that's, uh, this is why we appeal to Titus, since he could help you complete this generous undertaking on your behalf. You do well and excel in every respect. Number one, in unstoppable faith. Two, in powerful preaching. Three, in revelation knowledge. Number four, in your passionate devotion. And in number five, in ensuring the love we have shown to you. Look, look, he said, okay, you got it. You nailed it. So make sure that you also excel in this grace-filled generosity. So it's important. It's on the list of things we should do. It's the thing on the list of things that we are and what we should uh, be about in the kingdom. Not just what we do, but being generous, even if it's not much. You know, the widow was generous with two pennies, but it was her last two pennies. I remember, and this is strange that I'd even tell it, but I, I remember putting, when we didn't have any money in the bank, but we had a credit card. And I, I don't recommend this, and I'm certainly not asking for it. I'm not, I'm not at all. But we were so compelled to give every Sunday and every service that we'd, we'd put a credit card out there when we didn't, because we didn't have anything else. I'm, I'm not saying anything about credit cards, except it was just, we, we had access to money. And so we said, like, okay, we're going to do this. We're not going to church without a seed. And it's, I, we didn't do it often, but I'm just saying, I can see where the Lord was speaking to us about being generous. Uh, We're right there. Let's look in chapter 9. We're, 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 we're winding this thing down. Chapter 9, verse 7. Um, we just have to get this verse in. Every man, according as he is perfect in his heart. So it's talking about that attitude, that perspective, that approach. Uh, every man, according as he purposed it in his heart, so let him give. Now, uh, speaking of that, uh, today they say that the Jews, the, the, the temples that the, he, that the Jews go to, do not tithe. I was amazed that they do not tithe, but they're pretty secular. But they have a temple tax. And every year, every family is assessed based on their income, their affluence, their... Uh, and I'm not saying it's every temple, but this is certainly a, a big thing. They're assessed a temple tax. And you pay your tax for that year or you can't come to temple. 
It's a little more rigorous over there. You pay your tax or, or you're not in the temple. And if you're not in the temple, then you don't get to participate in the holy things, the sacred things. They're pretty straight up about it. <laughs> it's not so optional over there. Oh, so here it says, as he purposed in his heart, not a temple tax, not someone that mandates and says, this is what it's going to take to get in the door. As he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Uh, the Amplified says, uh, uh, let each one give as he's made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. Now, here's the part I like. For God loves, he takes pleasure in. There it is, the attaboy. Prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. I'm just, I'm just compelled to be, if I'm born again, I'm going to be generous from now on. It's not just a personal thing where my heart says, I'd like to give you something. I feel sorry for you. I, you know, we ought to be generous at, at the restaurant table. We ought to just like, we ought to. We ought to just throw down just because it's who we are. Never see them again, but it'll be kind of like in Acts where they put their money at the apostles' feet. We kind of put it at the waitress's feet and say, here, honey, go be blessed. Amen. Uh, I got one more scripture, and then I'll, I will turn you loose. It's in 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, I was talking to Pastor West about these things, and he found this scripture for me. I'm so grateful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse uh, 15, no, verse 14, excuse me. Now, Paul's talking. He's writing to the church at Corinth. That's the context. And here's his heart. And this is all God's really wanting. This is not something rigorous. There's no temple tax here. <laughs> we, we don't care if you give or not. I mean, God supplies our need as a church. It'd be good for you, though. And here's what he says in verse 14. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Verse 15, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. He said, it doesn't matter if you return my love, if you hug my neck and say thank you so much and send me a card. The uh, New Living says it this way. Now I'm coming to you for the third time and I will not be a burden to you. Here it is. I don't want what you have. I want you. And that's what generous is. We're not even sowing so we can get a return. We will. We'll be rewarded. But it's like, I just, want, I just want you to have it. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. Here it is again. I will gladly spend myself and all that I have for you. That's generous. Even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Now, that really, that spoke to my life. I am, that's where I needed help. 
is, uh, is like, Where have you, what, have you, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> Y'all know that? What have you done for me lately? I got to quit that. Amen. Uh, Romans 2.4, you know, it says, uh, and don't you know that it's the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance? Here's how you stir up generosity. Are y'all waiting for it? You, re- you meditate the goodness of God. If you want to be generous, you meditate how generous he is. You meditate him and say, I want to be just like dad. He's so generous. He's so over the top. Uh, uh, the Amplified says, don't est- underestimate the wealth of his kindness and forbearance and long-suffering patience. Don't underestimate it. You can't outgive God. The uh, Passion says, I like this. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart? So I... Everything I write now, I put on there, expect God to surprise you with his goodness because he so surprised me with his goodness. I want to tell you all, I want to announce to you this morning, I'm the happiest fella on the planet. I am just gushing. I am overflowing. He has been so, so, so good to me in every arena, in every area. And, And it's not because I've been so, so good to him. I have been on my my trying horse and I've been heading galloping that away but I fell off many a time and yet he just keeps coming at me and I'm just I'm just overwhelmed I'm overflowing with how good he has been to me in every realm in relationships in finances in in um, in marriage just everything that I could say this is important to me God he's just met me and exceeded it and I hope that's your life too it's not because we got older and we have better jobs or we finally got the refrigerator paid for that we finally have a little money or we have a little freedom or whatever. You could be tempted to say that based on former years, but it's actually because we've been meditating the goodness of God. We've been testifying every service. Here's what the Lord did. He did it in Africa. He did it in Europe. He did it in the Middle East, whatever. But here's what he poured out to someone that did not deserve it, did not ask for it, didn't have the means to access it. But God just poured out in the midst of it. He was water in the desert. He was just a a, a comfort in a cold night. And so we meditate the goodness of God. So that means we're thankful. That means we have gratitude. That means we, we go in our prayer time, we say, Yay, God. Yay, you chose me in the Lord Jesus, and here I am, and I'm full. It worked. It worked. And that's what I say. Gosh, it was so good, Lord, and it worked. And uh, like I said, I've messed up plenty, and we all have. There's just no, that's not even to say. But he just keeps coming at you. And so there's more. And I I believe this, because he told me years ago, I haven't given you my best yet, Well, he said, I haven't given you my last, and I hadn't even given you my best. So there's more coming. There's plenty more where that came from is what we say. So I've determined to be generous. So, Lord, we ask you this morning to open up the eyes of our understanding so that you can show us how to implement the particular grace of generosity in our own lives. It's in there, and we can stir it up just like we can stir up anything else We can stir it up by 
acting on it, by looking at it and desiring it and putting it into practice, it'll grow in us. It'll expand. It'll mature. It'll, it'll become greater inside of us till then they would say of us before they said he, he's a straight shooter, she's loyal, she's kind. They'll say, boy, that was, that's a generous woman. That is someone that if you need, they've got, they give, or they'll find it to give. Lord, we want that to be said of us because it points to you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your grace on us and in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Matthew, I had, before the service, it just dropped down inside of me about you. And your mother talked about you. What a blessing you are. I've not heard anybody but your mother say those good things about you. <laughs> I, she likes you probably better than anybody. I don't even know if dad can keep up. But I will, in that, I'll tell you, the Lord likes you. And he's got amazing. Now, I saw this in there. There's an event happening this year that would be 2020. And I, w I wanted to know what it was. I wanted to be able to tell you specifically. But there is an event coming into your life that will greatly increase your potential and your, your opportunity. You're going to be empowered in 2020, somehow, some way. I don't know if it's financial. I don't, I don't know. But I can tell you, he's going to surprise you with his goodness. And it's going to be, we're going to hear it in church. I just want to tell you all that the Lord surprised me with his goodness. Hallelujah. And he loves Matthew Smith. We like you pretty good, but he really, really likes you. Amen. Now, you can smile now. <laughs> I got one out of him, Dad. I, he smiled. He actually did. Amen. Well, we love you in, in uh, broadcast, and we'll be here at around 730 or so on Wednesday. Please tune in. We'll go again. God bless you.